with the Let Your Voice Be Heard organization. Just tell our, our listeners just a bit about the inception of the organization and some of the organization's core platforms. Yeah, um, you know, Let Your Voice Be Heard, we started off as a community forum. And um, what the main purpose was is that a lot of people were saying we were doing marches, we were doing rallies, but what was the actual action? So one of the things we did was we joined the forum. You know, I started the forum at Barnett Park, and a lot of people came. And what we were talking about was how ways we can get care more in different areas back revitalized and make sure that a lot of businesses get back reopened because one of the things that we saw was that the black business and the black economy in Orlando is suffering. So we tried to come up with ways to make sure the kids and the adults had opportunities and try to provide new ways. So Let Your Voice Be Heard always been about the people and making sure the people get a chance to get on a higher platform. That's what we all stand for. And we, we want peace in our communities. We want peace in the streets. But we also want to bring back that money and how we used to have black Wall Street and black enterprises. Indeed. How much of your background inspires your work? Well, you know, I, I grew up on Paramore my whole life. And, and one thing about it is I've seen Paramore for when it was thriving, and I've seen it when it's getting tore down. And we got soccer stadiums right where there used to be barbershops and other places. So, you know, I've seen the change, and I've seen the streets. I've been in there. I've seen friends die. I've seen friends in prison. I've seen people just lose their lives to the streets, and I see a system that wasn't being, you know, it's people doing things out here, and one of the main purposes that I have is to put those people on a higher platform. This program's on Paramore, like New Image Youth Center. There's people like One Community, One Orlando, that take the kids out on the weekends and make sure they get jobs and also train them for the future. And there's a lot of different programs that I deal with, like Saving the Daughters, who take these girls out and make sure they learn about new opportunities and ways that they can build themselves up and they wasn't getting the shine that they need. So one of my main purposes was to make sure these kids have a way to get there. And I'm reaching out to the kids that are in the hood area, they're in the trenches, and a lot of times people can't reach out to them like we can because we're going to go out to them. Indeed. Indeed. And it's my understanding that Let Your Voice Be Heard, that you hosted a vigil last night for for both for both of the officers that we lost on Monday. Just tell our listeners just a bit about the vigil, kind of in terms of the atmosphere and the mood and basically you know, how the community came out. Yeah, yeah, just to speak on the visual, you know, when we were all watching it unfold Monday morning, you know, we saw the stuff happen. We heard a police officer got shot. Suspect might be, you know, the person who was going to question my friend shot at his death. So at the time, you know, we didn't know the details of the case. We just knew that needed to be done. Um, a good friend of my name, a good friend of me, a good friend of mine um, by the name of Jacoy Chandler, he actually, you know, he came to me and said, hey, you know, this is something that you usually do and something that you usually go ahead and try to do. Why don't we do a visual? So with me, Jacoy, and a good friend of mine, Justin Fortune, we came together and we started laying it out. And it's something that I kind of took the, the hands of it, but I can't take the credit because, you know, it's just that it was a group effort. You know, I have history planted things, and it was something I'm passionate about. So we just reached out, we made a flyer, we put it out, and we just reached out to people, and, you know, it kind of just grew from there. And it became a beautiful thing. We had the family of the officer, Master Sergeant Deborah Clayton there. You know, and Deborah Clayton is actually somebody who was active in the community. She had her own nonprofit, and she actually cared about the community. So it just hit double hard just to see what's going on when, you know, we're killing people and, and 
it's, it's, it's even worse when we're killing people that serve in the community. So, you know, that's my only issue. You know, we're trying to stop the violence. We're trying to stop all this killing. So we're coming together as a community to show that we don't stand for that. You know, it ain't no politics involved. It ain't no agendas involved. It's peace that we want. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know how many people we've seen that came together last night from different backgrounds who genuinely felt the love and felt like there can be a change made just because they saw the gathering. And that's what we're about. But after those gatherings, we want to be on the streets talking to these kids. We want to be getting them off the streets. We want to be helping our adults get more businesses and get more deals thrown their way. And that's our mission. So, you know, when the cameras are off, we're still going no matter what. Absolutely. And, you know, often we see in our communities, as we've seen over the last two years here, there's been obviously dissension between the community and between the police, and much of it is justifiable. There's been anger, you know, at the system for many of the acquittals that we've seen and for much of the excess violence that's not only been inflicted upon our community, but also has been recorded for all the world to see. I, I would ask you at this time, how is Let Your Voice Be Heard working to better integrate a dialogue between police and the community? Well, you know, one thing about it is one of the things we focused on was the people. So, you know, last night and in recent times, we've been doing meetings that sometimes the Orange County Sheriff's will come to or we'll invite OPD out if we want to do an event that we really need their help with. And one of the things that we're really trying to cut through is that there's no such thing as the black and white theory that these are how things are. You know, somebody's 100% right and the other person 100% wrong. It's not like that. You know, we got police officers that do abuse their power, but we got police officers who go above and beyond for us. So at the same time, we're trying to weed out the bad people that we know need help. And at the same time, I'm going to tell you the truth. We have a theory that what we're doing is leading by example. We're not judging nobody, and we're not trying to discriminate against any police officers. But the ones who are like-minded, the commissioners who are like-minded with us and have the same mission and they want to see us prosper and they want to see new growth and more peace, those are the ones we're partnering up with, no matter what their background is. And a lot of times people are skeptical about these commissioners and these police officers. But the thing is, we're going to move no matter what. We don't wait on anybody, but we want everybody involved who wants the same end goal, if you know what I mean. Right. Definitely. I definitely feel you. You, 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 know, mo, mo, you know, most times when, when, when those of us step out on faith and step out on courage to help our communities, Sometimes many will view that, especially the public, through a very symbolic lens. And so what I mean is they'll look at it and say, okay, we have a community organization. Now we're able to solve some of the problems and greater debilitating issues in our community. But many will say so that they want to help, but very few actually put down the groundwork and get their hands dirty to do what needs to be done in our community. With that said, I would ask, what do you think are some of the challenges in operating a community organization from your perspective? You know, I'm going to be honest. It's something that, you know, it may not be everybody's area. My anybody into volunteering with us or donating to the cause. What we try to do is shine on everybody's strength. The thing is, a lot of people want to do things that they may not feel they want to do. As having a skill, you could be an artist and you could draw murals or teach kids how to draw and give them an activity to do. 
you could be a person who likes to fix cars or do modifications, and you can show these kids how to do the same thing. So one of the things we try to really just focus on is that it's not about who has a special skill, I mean, who has a special thing to be a leader or who has a special thing to run a community organization. It's that the community organization is about every single person. I'm not above anybody and no one's below me. We all work in different areas, and we got people from realtors to college professors to people who work at McDonald's who still contribute and do things for us, and that's the whole mission we're trying to show that. Basically, it don't matter what your background is, you can still come together, and we can all lift each other up. So, you know, anybody trying to do something community-based, you can have a skill, you can have a hobby. It doesn't matter what you do. All you got to do is come out and talk to a kid and let them know that somebody wants to listen. We all got a part we can play. That's all I'm trying to say. Indeed. indeed. For, for those that I, I see a couple of callers that are just joining the line, for those that are just tuning in, this is our No One Talk interview with Miles Moraine, the founder of Let Your Voice Be Heard Incorporated. If you would like to leave a comment or call in, because I see some of the Facebook audience hitting me up on the chat, once again, the call-in number is 347-989-0180. You can press 1 if you would like to leave a comment. We're going to take a brief commercial break, but we will be right back on the No One Talk broadcast. And this is, once again, our interview with Miles Moraine, the founder of Let Your Voice Be Heard, Incorporated. Yo, this mic is on.
we go out to these places. We actually reach out. We have monthly meetings. They take place at Three Mass, located at OBT and Colonial. Our next one will be January 27th. But our monthly meetings, we often come up with different ways we want to reach out to the youth. Or we're going to do a program where we can basically have a workshop. We did a grant writing class this month on the 6th at Three Mass, and it was an info session. A lot of people got introduced to the grant writing world and learned new ways to make money. And then we had a concealed weapon carry class that we're going to do on the 22nd of this month at Global Dynasty Corps. So one of the things we do is come up with new ways to build programs in neighborhoods that can help empower people. And we also reach out to the kids and do outreach to get them a program, but also just reaching out to them and letting them know they love and we're trying to build a new world. That's our main message is that, you know, one person can be a big contribution. And that's what we're about. Okay. Definitely. And and you touched on the financial aspect of the organization. What what's some business business empowerment initiatives that go through Let Your Voice Be Heard? Well, you know, like one of the ones I mentioned was another thing is that we're trying to team up for one of our realtors that out Adrian and um Adrian is actually a realtor and what we're doing is teaching people how to actually get into the realty world and acquire properties and also first-time home buyers programs. So one of the things we know is that the main reason why people commit crimes or the main reason why areas are in poverty is because there's no way for them to make money and people don't have secure places to stay. We live in Orlando. People don't know that Orlando is the number one place for the increase of rent for the last couple of years. The rent keeps going up, but the, the jobs aren't going up with it. So we try to empower people because there's so many different barriers out there. And at the end of the day, finance is just one of the biggest things that's going to knock down all those barriers. So we got a lot of programs we're trying to do that's basically going to teach people how to manage money, but also teach us how to build enterprises, get your own business, get your own kind of product, and get your own property that you own. Okay. And I think with that, I think we have a caller on the line. I'm going to let one caller in for a comment. The last five, the last four digits are 5104. Caller, you are on the No One Talk broadcast. Yes, caller, are you there? I guess we were the voice they wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, they probably just trying to listen in. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Sure, and how do you best go into marketing? Let your let your voice be heard, Incorporated. I, I I know oftentimes I've seen you all over the map on Facebook, and I'm like, man, I you know this this brother getting it done. I, I mean, I don't know when the brother sleeps, but but, but how, how much well, you goes know, into the marketing of the organization? Well, one of the things for marketing is um we really try to get out and physically reach out to people, so. At the same time, you know, we're very active on Facebook, but the people that we reach out in monthly meetings and also outreach, we walk through neighborhoods, we walk through shopping centers, we actually try to be on the ground. And one of the main things we're doing with marketing is, is also teaming up with different media outlets. Um, you know, we have a partner at iHeartMedia, Laura. She's a very big help for us. She does PSAs for us on iHeart and 104.5. We also have somebody named Jojo at 94.5 who comes out up. She puts us up on the oh, yeah. ads on the air. And we also started recently partnering up with different news outlets 
but actually be on Fox 35 um, tomorrow morning at 7:10. I'll be on Fox 35 um, live. So it's certain things that are opening up, and at the beginning we wasn't really focused on media. The reason why people are starting to get behind us is because we really are focused on the work. And when we on Facebook, it's mostly to recruit, and it's mostly to show that the work's being done and you can come help us. But a lot of the work that we're doing doesn't make it to Facebook. You may see a glimpse or you may see a picture, but the work is really happening daily, and it's happening in different places all over Orlando. So that's our main outreach. Is we're a grassroots organization at, at the heart, and we're going to stay a grassroots organization and stay moving through the streets because that's where we came from, and that's what we're trying to empower. Indeed. You know, I, I was I was having a conversation earlier today, and I, I was saying to a, to a brother, he and I were actually talking about this very topic in terms of which organizations actually do the authentic work in our community. And I said, you know, number one, social media is just a place to meet, greet, but then you have to actually log off and go build in the real world. <laughs> yeah, and I agree. You know, like a lot of times I might put a post up and it, it might get – hundreds of likes, but people don't know what out here on the street, it might just be me and one other person, or it might be me and two or three other people. A lot of times, I might have to go by myself, but you know, social media, people can't get it confused because you may see the pictures, and it may fall out looking very nice on social media, but it's a lot of work being done, and it's not just me. We have some very dedicated people that I know that come out to us, they work hard, and they spend some of their hard-earned money to make this happen. And it's a lot of people who contribute. And we're not professionals. We're not a big corporation. We're not backed by anybody. We have no sponsors at all. This is something that a group of people have come together, and we have agreed to act on these initiatives. And it's something that's beautiful because it's proven that no one has to be this special person. I might be one of the people who's taking the helms of it and being at the front of it, but at the same time, it's a lot of other people if it wasn't for them, I promise you these things would not happen. So I'm just very grateful and very blessed to have people that feel the same way as us, and that's the biggest thing we're trying to push is that it's not just one person who wants change, it's multiple people who want change. And if you want change, you can join up with us. We're open to anybody. It's not a black-only organization. We're open to anyone. We just want to see things actually be done off the Internet and off the social media. Indeed. Indeed. Absolutely. I wanted to take some time as well to get to some of the listener-submitted questions. I had some listeners that knew this broadcast was going to go on tonight, but they couldn't necessarily listen in, but they were able to provide their questions. So there are just two questions I wanted to ask on behalf of two of our listeners, and one sent me a question via Facebook that they had for you and that they wanted to ask of Let Your Voice Be Heard Incorporated. Their question is as follows. It reads, it reads, Dear Miles, what coverage areas does Let Your Voice Be Heard Incorporated cover throughout Central Florida? Uh, well, one of the main areas that we started doing the youth outreach was at Pine Hills. Um, we did it at Pine Hills and Silver Star, and we'll be at Andy's Corner. We on there. Um, we're at at Wednesdays and Fridays. So we're at Andy's Corner by Evans. Um, that's on Pine Hills and Silver Star. Then we're at Jones High School on Gore Street and Rio Grande is where we meet at. And we usually reach out to the kids, and we have them meet in different places. But as far as our outreach, we actually planned a schedule each month. We would do an outreach event through a neighborhood. The first one we're starting at is Pine Hills. The second one is Paramore. The third one is going to be Semarong. And the fourth one is going to come back to Carver Shores. 
but each month we're going to have a week that we reach out to the communities. We're going to try to give them information on how they can get assistance, how they can get signed up for programs that will help them get different opportunities. And then afterwards, when we actually reach out to these people and show that we're being consistent there, we're going to come back and do nightly peace walks. And the nightly peace walks are to show that we're walking in solidarity. We want change. We want people to feel safe on our streets. There's no reason you should be in a predominantly black neighborhood and feel dangerous. And at the same time, we're going to the east side to reach out to our Latin brothers and sisters and even our white brothers and sisters that also reached out to us. We have people in different areas that ask, can we come over there and do what we're doing? And the answer is yes. It's not stuck in one area. We're not stuck in one place. But one time, that one thing we're going to do is be consistent. So if we go to any area in Orlando, we want to build a program that stays consistent. We want to recruit people in that area that will help it keep going after we move on and we'll still be coming back and making sure we make sure we touch bases. But that's one of the main things. We'll go to any area that we can be consistent at. We're not trying to do this to be spreading out and gain notoriety. We're trying to do this to actually make some real change. Indeed. Indeed. And the, the second the second listener submitted question that I have is it's coming from a from a brother. He appears to be a bit younger than you and I and he wants to he wants to get involved in his community, and he wants to begin his own organization, but he's just unsure in terms of the steps. Could you maybe guide him or provide some general pointers as to how he can best get invested in his community and maybe begin his organization? Yeah, you know, one thing I'm going to tell you is um, definitely go for it. And one thing I did, you know, before I even started the organization was I tried to volunteer with people who are already doing things so I can learn different things we're doing. And at the same time, the reason why I volunteered for other people was because I wanted to learn what they were doing, so I didn't do anything that someone else was already doing that I could just lend some support to. So it's very important to learn who's out here and what they're doing and how you can also make your organization be something that empowers other ones and y'all could build some kind of working relationship. And at the same time, when it comes to the business, it's not as hard as everyone thinks, but it does take steps. You need a business plan. You need to make sure you know what you want to do for the next three to five years with your organization. And you need to make sure that whatever you're doing, it makes sense. Because it's a lot of times that I try to do things that didn't make sense. And at the same time, I had to learn by trial and error. So I can tell you a million steps about how to go on Sunbiz and how to file your Form 1023 with the IRS and get your nonprofit. But at the same time, you know, you can reach out to me on Facebook. My name is Marvin Jr. You can reach out to Let Your Voice Be Heard. And I'll tell you, and I'll try to help you, but I advise if you want to learn more, try to learn from people who are doing things. It's not just me. There's different groups like Hope, Saving Our Daughters, One Community, One Orlando. We got different foundations and great people doing things, even what you're doing. I would advise them to partner up with you and learn ways they can work in hand with you because media is going to be one of your best friends. But, you know, we just got to work together and find ways we can help other areas that need strength. Definitely. Definitely, Miles. It's been a pleasure to have you on on the broadcast for tonight. Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate it, man. You know, one thing, I like what you're doing here, and it's something that, you know, I tell people all the time, they say we don't get enough positive images of the black man, or we don't get enough positive images of our neighborhood, but it's people like you yeah. who are doing things on the No One Talk Show, and it's something that people might not even know or even support. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to do is 
build people up who are doing the work just like what you're doing because we all are doing the work in our own way. Man, yes, indeed. Definitely. Definitely. And this has been our interview with Miles Moraine, founder of Let Your Voice Be Heard on the No One Talk broadcast. Miles, thanks once again, and you know definitely we'll be in touch. Yes, sir, bro. Stay good, man. All right, definitely. Take care, brother. All right, Definitely. That was a great interview with, with Miles Moraine. We greatly enjoyed being able to speak with him. We're, we're going to take one more quick commercial break. And I, I would say quick, but one more quick commercial break. And we will be right back here on the No One Talk broadcast. We're going to cover just a bit of the upcoming Dr. King holiday in terms of the 21st century post-millennial entering into Trump-era America what does Dr. King's dream and vision mean into the 21st century for black America? We're going to talk just a bit about that, and we're also going to talk about some additional news and upcoming events as well as current events that have been going on in and out of the media. So we will be right back here on the No One Talk broadcast. Incorporated. 
definitely just wanted to shout out Miles. Also, if you would like to check out some of our archived inter some of our archive interviews on the No One Talk broadcast, we're going to be putting those right on our Facebook page, and it's under No One Talk. That's K N O W, the number one and talk. If you'd like to receive those exclusively, you can email us at notalk1 at gmail.com. Once again, that's K-N-O-W, talk, and the number one at gmail.com. Into our other topic for tonight, I wanted to just talk just a bit about Dr. King Day as it's coming up. It's going to be coming up this Sunday, and there will be obviously parades thereafter and therein that will commemorate the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. There are many that would, at this time, dismiss the contributions of Dr. King and say that he was too soft on the establishment, or they would simply go into a form of comparison of comparing him to Brother Malcolm X or comparing him to another leader. But I, I would say my assessment of Dr. King is that Dr. King was a master statesman. He, he was a master diplomat. And in any revolution, you, you need diplomats and you need revolutionaries. You need diplomats and militants at the same time. The battle cannot be entirely militant. <laughs> I know many of us would like it to be, but the battle also cannot be purely diplomatic. So there has to be that fine balance there. The historical figure that I would most compare Dr. King to would be Pharaoh Akhenaten. Pharaoh Akhenaten in the year 1350 B.C. was, he was the Pharaoh of Kemet that best expanded and popularized the concept of monotheism or the worship of one deity or netter or God. And so what Akhenaten did, Akhenaten brought a brand new majesty to Kemet because you have to understand what was going on in Kemet at the time. Kemet was still recovering much of its glory, its past glory at the time in the year 1350 BC from the invasion of the Hyksos dynasty. The Hyksos dynasty ruled Kemet from 1730 BC to 1580 BC. And so by the time 1350 BC rolls around, Amenhotep IV or Amenophis IV or who we now know as Akhenaten Akhenaten seeks to bring a brand new, unique majesty and a level of ubiquity to the to the throne, if you will. So the reign of Pharaoh Akhenaten was so peaceful he wouldn't even harm a fly. <laughs> he, he he wouldn't even harm or step on an ant. He refused to wear his royal crown, which symbolized the unification of Upper and Lower Kemet. He refused to wear royal regalia, so he was not resplendent at all. And so he decided that he was one of the first pharaohs that decided to ride in an open chariot so that the populations of Kemet could see him. So if he went to Nechem, they saw him. If he went to Hierankopolis, they saw him. If he went to the Valley of the Kings, they saw him. If he went to Thebes or Thenes or Memphis, they saw him wherever he was at, right out in the broad open. So Akhenaten brought three qualities to the throne of Kemet, and this is going to tie into Dr. King. Akhenaten brought, number one, the prestige to what a ruler could be. Number two, he brought the power to the throne, because Akhenaten, as we know, as soon as he was coronated to the throne to accept rulership over Kemet, every other nation on this planet came to bow to this black man. It came to bear him and to bring him gifts. In fact, this is where the concept of the three wise men from the Gospels originate from, that these were traveling royalty honoring the arriving royalty or the royalty that has just ascended to the throne. So 
Akhenaten brought prestige, he brought power, and most of all, Akhenaten brought a concept of principality to the throne. If you read his writings, he, he, he was very, it was very interesting how he thought and how he perceived the reality of the day. It's almost as if he saw into what the modern madness of the world would be, and he was basically offering up what his solutions and his spiritual perspectives would be because he was in tune with an entirely different level of spirituality. You could even go as far to say that Akhenaten was responsible for the modern black religious experience in America. Look at, for example, in America, we have the Christian church, obviously, where the, ba the Baptist church has long been the backbone and foundation of the black community, but also we have the Church of God in Christ denomination. Also, we have the Seventh-day Adventist denomination. Also, we have the African Methodist Episcopalian denomination, which was founded by Bishop Alexander Crummel and Bishop Richard Allen in the year 1790 and 1794, respectively. And also, we have the Christian Methodist Episcopalian denomination, and these are all under what they call Christendom or Christianity. But then we also have Islam. We also have, we have the Nation of Islam sect, which is out here in the Pine Hills community, but we also have Sunnis and we also have Shiites, brothers and sisters, which have long practiced Islam as well. And so we, we have the three major, you would call them monotheistic religions, and though Akhenaten was not the founder of monotheism, Akhenaten popularized it. it it's sort of like Henry Ford was not the creator of the car. He simply had the budget to make the promotion of the car go a bit further. So Akhenaten compares to Dr. Martin Luther King because Dr. King followed that legacy of Baptist preachers that were on the front line of the revolution. And so because he was on the front line of the revolution, this caused him many very public positions. This also caused him to be later disinvited from the White House. And so I think that the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. should be one of prestige, power, and principality. He was highly prestigious because he came. He was a third generation preacher. His, father, his grandfather, Reverend Albert, Reverend Albert Daniel King of Ebenezer Baptist Church in 1931, then turned over the ministry to his father, Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Sr. Then he joined his father's co-pastor in 1960, along with his younger brother, Alfred Daniel King. Just a little bit of history for my history buffs that that want to know a bit more about Dr. King. And so I, I think that we provide ourselves with a great disservice when we begin to compare the brothers and we, and we begin to say that one was greater than the other, or that I identify more with Malcolm X mentality than I do Dr. King's, or I identify more with Dr. King's mentality than I do Malcolm X, or I identify more with W.E.B. Du Bois' mentality than I do Marcus Garvey, or I identify more with Garvey's mentality than I do W.E.B. Du Bois, and so on and so forth, or William Monroe Trotter had a greater ideology than Booker T. Washington. So what, what we do is we, we begin to then, as we're comparing them, comparison brings, comparison makes your argument minimal. And so it, it drives a wedge between where there does not need to be a wedge. And, and, and so what it does is it, it causes us to then view it through the very same lens that a Caucasian would view this historical perspective, when in fact all of these are very balanced individuals that should mainly be viewed as a line of succession one to the other. But instead of viewing them as a line of succession one to the other, what we instead do is compare them. And in comparing these individuals, we then try to make them champions in their own right, and we lose the entire mission 
of their message. I say to you tonight on the broadcast that Malcolm X was right and Dr. King was right. The Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad was right and Booker T. Washington was right. This is how we have to view our reality, especially coming into a brand new epoch of, I call it the Trump set of the Donald Trump America, where it's going to be ensured systemically that black people have received nothing before that. We're definitely not going to get anything now. So we have no time as dark, dark skinned, melanin rich people to sit around worrying about who said what historically and who was against who. And I'm siding with this group and I, I call myself this now and I'm going to stand with this group and we beef with this group and we're debating this group. We have historically no time for that. Hurricane Katrina in 2005 should have proven to you that we have no time for that. The murder of Sean Bell by those race soldiers in New York City should have shown you that we have no time for that. The murder of Trayvon Martin by race soldier George Zimmerman in 2012 should have shown you we have no time for that. The murder of Jordan Davis a couple of months later in the same year, 2012, should have shown you that we have no time for that. The brutal on-camera executions of Mike Brown, of Walter Scott, of Terrence Crutcher should have showed you that we have absolutely no time for that. The, the, the choking death of Eric Garner in July 2014 should have shown you that there's no time for debating anymore. There's no time for talking about which nation historically was greater in history than whichever black nation. We should then say to ourselves that all of these nations were great and then move on and move forward from there. So, therefore, what we have to do in the modern era is we have to take the message of Dr. King and give it relevancy to this era. Dr. King appealed to the moral conscience of the oppressive society. Now, we know the oppressive society has no morality through which Dr. King could appeal to. You cannot reason with those that are unreasonable. You cannot teach morality to those who have made their living being immoral. But it says something about the measure and character of the man that he understood the oppression, but he continued to keep his optimism. He understood that the dominant society cared nothing for exterminating our people. However, he understood the deliverance that could be given to our people if I take the moderate stance. So because Dr. King was able to take the moderate stance, receive the bricks and receive the tanks and receive the cattle prods and water hoses, through that period then, Minister Malcolm X was able to give a broader message and give us the message to the grassroots. He was able to talk to us. He was able to talk to us about exactly what it is that we needed to know. So as we leave you tonight on the No One Talk broadcast, continue to think on these thoughts. Don't think simply what would Dr. King do, because Dr. King has already done it. Dr. King faced bricks so you could hit the books. Dr. King faced imprisonment so your integrity could shine in the modern era. Don't worry for what Dr. King would do. Just think on the ancestors' words, his message, and most of all, do the work.